stay there. You know what? I believe that every single person on this planet can make a difference. And I believe that we all have something to offer, something that's so unique that it will change somebody else's life. I believe we all deserve to step into our true selves. And I believe that every single person needs to feel great about themselves. I want you to step into who you truly are and I want you to make a difference for somebody else and for yourself. And I don't think it's that hard. It's a matter of putting one step in front of the other and just taking action. And I'm interviewing guests that have done just that. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where you can make that decision to make your life count. It all starts with you saying yes. Howdy and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. And this week we're talking about lies. Yes, big fat lies. Oh, I'm talking to Lisa Shermerhorn. Now she has been on this podcast before and this is she's the first person I've ever had back. But she's just released a book called In Every Belief There's a Lie. So we're going to dig deep and, you know, find out about these lies that are hidden in beliefs and She's not going to have to convince me very hard because I I know this to be true. However, I can't wait to hear how this happens, why this happens, where it starts, all of that really good juicy stuff. But the really good thing is that we're going to come out the other end of it, you know, understanding that the things that we believe to be true may not necessarily be true. And it's the way we perceive things. And that hidden lie in there is really undoing us. So you're going to love this conversation. So let's get into it. Welcome, Lisa. Oh, thank you so much for having me here. And this is a true testament of how much we appreciate and admire each other, that you're there late at night and I'm I'm up five o'clock in the morning to do this. <laughs> so that we can be together. <laughs> and we should tell people this is a this is our third attempt because of my COVID and, and a severe allergy. And <laughs> but we made it. We absolutely made it. We made but, it. Uh well, well, not just welcome, Lisa. It's welcome back. And and you are my very first. And and I don't do this. Um, this is one of my things I said I'll never do. But uh, you're the very first person to come back again. And I tell you what, what a good reason to discuss the stuff we're going to talk about today. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. And I had so much fun on our podcast. I still talk about that podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think it had anything to do with the podcast. I think it was the fact that your cleaner was flushing the toilet. I actually wrote a, a blog about that that went viral. Oh, really? Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, God. That was funny. So anyone who hasn't heard the first one, go back and check it out. And Lisa's trying to be all serious and tell me about this story. And then the cleaner's in the background flushing the toilets. And anyway, it's uh, so good. To, so good to chat. Anyway, I absolutely love our chats. And uh, you, you might remember, guys, Lisa was the person I talked about um, having a breakthrough with my, um, I can't remember what it's called. It was money uh, mi- money mindset. Remember, money mindset. You, but you did but some work further, around your money mindset? Yeah, it was, yeah, and it was about, um, et- et- no, <laughs> you, I can't believe I'm thinking this, epi- epi- epigenetics. Oh, epigenetics. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
It was absolutely fascinating. And it's been an incredible breakthrough. So um, so Lisa is an absolutely fantastic um, NLP practitioner as well. But today we're going to talk about her being an author. And this isn't the first time either, but... Um, <laughs> oh, the light doesn't work very well in here. That doesn't work very well, but very well. The, the book, um, In Every Belief There's a Lie. So I'm going to just ask you straight up before we even talk about the book, Lisa, the big question, are we all just big fat liars? <laughs> Unconsciously. <laughs> <laughs> well, what happened? what happened for me was uh, about 20 years ago, I had this breakdown because I had no idea who I was. And mm -hmm. I had made up all these lies and stories about myself. As yeah. a child, my um, I went to school early, uh, a year early, and I had minor undiagnosed learning disabilities. Everyone could read and write and do their numbers, and I was completely lost. So I spent every summer of my childhood uh, in summer school. and. I developed this belief, this lie about myself that I was stupid. And what really was the case was that I just learned differently. Mm. So conventional school was not the way to go for me. I would have flourished in a different environment. Mm. What's happened to what happened to me is that belief system compounded itself over and over again through my life. So that by the time I was about 38 years old, I had an emotional breakdown. I had no sense of self. I felt worthless. I didn't know why I was here. And it led me down this path of self-exploration. And uh, it's led me here. Uh, there was a woman who I met who was a hypnotherapist. And uh, I was going to conventional therapy two to three times a week and nothing was helping. And I was desperate. Someone said to me, why don't you go see her? She's supposed to be an amazing hypnotherapist. So I was like, don't they make you quack like a duck? <laughs> I, I was really skeptical and I was nervous and I didn't know what would happen. And I realized that that whole thing with the stage hypnotist was nothing like this work at all. Yeah. So I went and the shifts that were happening to me were extraordinary. And I, I felt like I was doing 20 years worth of therapy in a matter of a few sessions. Mm. And it was so powerful and empowering for me that I decided that I wanted to do this for others because I knew there were so many other people in the same situation. So I approached Karen and I said, I want to study with all the people that you studied with because I want to be just like you. And, and I went on to study with all of these people. And I ended up going, well, I can't be Karen. Now I have to figure out who I am. And that continued the journey of studying and traveling around the world, studying with all these teachers. Uh, but I still carried that um, belief around me that that really was the impetus for me to study. If you saw the amount of certifications that I have, <laughs> it's about this thick. Because I always had this underlying belief that I wasn't smart enough. So I always had to prove myself. So it had a dual role for me because it's it's gotten me to where I am now. But at the same time, nothing ever felt good enough. Yeah. Oh, well, and, you know, you, you tell that story. And as you're telling it, I'm thinking it this almost every single person 
has got a backstory like that, you know, that we've not, not like that, not exactly the same as that, but that we've we've right. convinced ourselves of something in our in our childhood, you know, and and it serves us. It just it doesn't serve us, but we think it does, you know, and we continue on with it. And then it's how many people out there are adults now just telling the same old stories over and over and over. It's it's actually it's quite sad, but we all do it. It is. It- it is. And we feel trapped mm. and we get on this hamster wheel doing the same thing over and over again. And you mentioned the term epigenetics. The fascinating thing is from birth until in our early twenties, we are programmed. Our brain frequencies are different. And Dr. Bruce Lipton even talks about from birth until seven. Mm. And what happens is all of these beliefs from our parents, our grandparents, our siblings, our teachers, our schoolmates, all of these people who we come into contact with throughout our lives, any trauma, cultural, religion, all of that programs us. So we walk around with these beliefs that are deep inside of us. And then those belief systems run us when we're older. Mm -hmm. And with the epigenetics, they've actually done studies that you can inherit belief systems. Mm. So you can have a great grandparent who maybe was in the Holocaust or had some kind of starvation or whatever, and you inherit those beliefs and they're running you and you don't even have conscious awareness of it. Mm. And I I had what's interesting is I've been working a lot with um, indigenous people and I have a client out of Mexico who has Aztec and Mayan um, uh, DNA. And we had to go back 10 generations for him. Wow. And what we do is I go through his DNA and go to the root cause, the original um, ancestors who were when this when the Spanish came in and just totally just decimated their culture. And so we have to go to them, uh, do a healing to their children, their children's children. In two hours, we got as far as five generations. I still have five more generations to go for him, but he's already feeling the integration and the shifts. So people wanna look at family generational trauma, patterns in the family that are happening. Because if you see certain patterns of either disease or certain uh, belief systems, that's usually something that's going back generations. Mm. Well, the one that you worked on with me, that was um, inherited from my mother and and she had the belief as a as a, an older teenager, so before I was even born. And so then I carried carried that through. So it, it's fascinating fascinating stuff I think it's funny isn't it because there's yes. a, the the tendency we want to believe I oh, know I'm just um blood and bones do you, you know with it maybe with a soul and here I am and um we've got this one life and you know whatever it is but there is so much energy so much energy that is attached to each of us that drives us uh, so listen you've been you, you've done your NLP your hypnotherapy and now I've learned that you've got 6,000 other qualifications so that's that, that's bloody fantastic <laughs> even though you don't need them it's just <laughs> wonderful but and so now you've written uh, the book that you held up before in every belief there is a lie is so with all the work that you're doing has has there been this underlying um 
I don't know, like underlying lies that show up in all the work in all the work that you do. Like for every person you work with, is it just constantly? Oh, there's a lie. There's a lie. There's a lie. Is it just like that kind of thing? No, none of us truly know who we are. Mm. None of us do. I just finished reading the Fifth Agreement. I don't know if people have read the book before four agreements with Don Miguel Ruiz and it's all about the Toltec culture and if you ever get an opportunity to read that book it's amazing Mm. Uh, the fifth agreement they talk about truth and lies there's a whole chapter on it and I said thank god I read it after I wrote my book because he confirmed so much of what I wrote (laughs) in it Uh, and one of the metaphors he uses is imagine there's a movie theater with like a hundred theaters And you go into one movie theater and you see yourself on screen the way you perceive yourself. Then you go to the next theater and you walk in and you see a movie playing and it's your mother. And it's your mother seeing you from her perspective. And you're like, that's not who I am. I don't know this person that she sees. And then you go to another movie theater and you see your father and your father is watching a movie of you and seeing you from a different perspective and on and on. You walk out going, I never saw myself from that perspective. So do I really know who I am? And if you think about this. I have an exercise in my book where you draw a circle and you put in all of these things that made you you, for instance, did you grow up in a in the city or in the country? That's going to impact you. Your socioeconomic status, were your fam- was your family wealthy or was money hard to come by? And even if you're wealthy, there's scarcity issues because people who have money will spend it and never feel like they have enough. So there can even be a scarcity issue within wealth. Then you have your religion. And some people with their religion will dictate what they wear, what Mm. they eat, who they marry, who they, you know, who they hang out with. All of their belief systems are are programmed at such an early age that any traumas that happen. So you put that in, in a lens and you imagine you're seeing the world through these glasses. Do I see the world the same way you do, Karen? No. I mean, you're all the way across the other end of the world from me. Mm-hmm. You have seen things, experienced things that are very different than I have. When we have people who see things from a different perspective, we're so quick to judge. And when we judge, we're busy pointing our fingers at other people. And then we forget that there's three fingers pointing back at ourselves. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I had to do to really discover who I am was forgive myself. And there's this ancient Hawaiian practice called the Ho'oponopono. Yeah. And the Ho'oponopono is all about forgiving others as well as yourself. And part of the process of writing this book was I'd been trying trying to write this book for 20 years. And what happened was I would sit in front of, you know, my computer to a blank screen and those voices, the lies would come in. Who do you think you are writing this book? What do you have to offer that no one else has? Uh, you know, all of this stuff has been said before. Why would anyone? You weren't a great student. Why, you know, wait till they see your spelling and grammar. All of these things that I made up in my head. Yeah. So I spent six months forgiving myself and others. 
And I went through this process over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, what's amazing about the Ho'oponopono and the forgiveness prayer, which is, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Very simple. I was doing that. And all of a sudden, someone I hadn't spoken to in 14 years contacted me mm-hmm. out of the blue and said, I noticed that things are different between us. You know, I'm really excited to, you know, that, that things are, are reconnecting, that we're reconnecting. And I was like, nothing had changed except the Ho'oponopono. Mm. All of a sudden, one day, the title came to me and then I couldn't stop writing. It was like this information came pouring out of me because when you have these lies, imagine a super highway and your destination is at the end. The lies are these giant boulders that we have placed. Yeah. <laughs> we put them there. And then you take these boulders and with the forgiveness work and the releasing of these belief systems, you're literally moving these believe these boulders so that you can have what you desire. And I will tell you, for those of you who are familiar with the law of attraction, mm. when you release all of those blocks, everything started happening so fast. Everything that I dreamed of, everything that I wanted just showing up within the first week of this book going on Amazon, it hit bestseller in two categories and number one, first number one, a new release in 10 categories. Wow. I was just astonished. Wow. When you, when you do this work, everything shows up. And this was work I was supposed to do. And, you know, I I was meditating one day and I got this voice, you're 10 years too late. (laughs) Ah. You know, you're supposed to do this work. And I was blocking it and blocking it, blocking it. I didn't believe in myself. Yeah. But that's what most of us do, isn't it? That we're just... It, it's there's that saying, and I can't think what it is. That we're not we're not worried about how um, you see it's eight o'clock at night. I can't bloody think of anything. And you know that saying that what we're really scared of is is our power. You know we're really scared of um, being successful and really scared of of what what the world might offer if we truly step into our potential. But we can handle it because we wouldn't. Anything that comes our way, we can deal with. You know, we've just got to have the courage to step into it. But that's easier said than done, isn't it? (laughs) It absolutely is. And what I find is it's the fear of the fear. Because once you remove the fear, all of a sudden it helps you shift how you see something and you realize that it's not as bad as you think it is. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I like to do with my clients is some is something called reframe. It's part of NLP, neuro linguistic programming. But what is the gift in this? How can I see this from a different perspective? And then, you know, we talk about our wounding and all these traumas and things that happen as a child. I will bet every single person who's listening to this, when you heal that, you will discover that that is your greatest gift because no one knows that pain like you do. And when you get to the other side of that, it's magnificent Hmm. because now you know both sides. You know both sides, and it's and and I could go back there if I wanted to. I know victim really well, mm. but I also know what it feels like to be empowered now, and I can use my wisdom and knowledge of being that victim to help others. Mm. And that's my gift. Oh, 
Well, you know your gift, you've stepped into it. Most people have a gift and they don't step into it, you know, because exactly like you're saying of the fear. Oh, is you know, is it is it only fear though, or is it that they just don't know? Like I, I sometimes think if you haven't experienced it, you don't even believe that it's there. Do you, you know, that's another part to it. Like it's one thing to say, well, step in, but then some people just it's not there. Yeah. I've never experienced, it. I can't see it, it doesn't exist. Yeah, it's like step into what? I I remember when I was much younger, I watched my ex-husband who found his career and he was so passionate. And I watch all my other friends. I'm like, I love this. It's never a day at work. And I walked around lost. And that Mm. was part of my depression because I had no sense of self. I didn't know who I was. Mm. What I realized that at first I thought my work should be my purpose. It's not that. When you discover one of the one of the things that I do to help people figure out who they are is figure out their why. Mm. Um, I became a certified why coach through this guy, Gary Sanchez, because I was given this test and and I took this test and it told me that I was a challenged personality. And what that means is that I think outside the box. Mm. that I always think of things that, that that visionary of always going outside the box and and that I can always find a better way. Well, when you think outside the box, especially as a child, you're that oddball, you're the mm. weird one. Yeah. So you're looked at as someone who doesn't fit in and you think you're broken. Yeah. So when I found out that challenge was my why, it was like bells went off in my head. And mm. and for people who know me, I lick live in a log cabin on the side of a mountain you know the the way I live my life is not normal like what everyone would say is normal and so I had to step in and own who I was a big part of why people are lost is because they don't want to look at who they are they don't want to see it because it scares them Mm. but owning my challenge owning that part of me help me understand. And my challenge is through a thread through my entire life. It's not just my work. It's how I go on vacation. It's the type of home I live in. It's like a car I drive. It's how I parented my children. Everything was always, how can I be different? How can I do something unique? What's what's something that's never been done before? Mm -hmm. And, And when you're paving the way on things that no one else has seen before, it makes it even harder. But my childhood prepared me for that because mm. it gave me, you know, those calluses to be able to withstand that, you know, criticism and being different. Mm. And I did my why through you and I, I was contributor and, and it's so, it's, or yeah, contributor. And it's, um that's all I get up for every single day, you, you know, is to contribute. And, and when you're in the flow right. of that, it's um when you're in the flow of what you're here for and your why it's 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 bloody fantastic. So anyway, if you are listening to this and want to do that, you know, get in touch with Lisa because I'll give you all the details at the end. But it's it's a fascinating thing. Now, um, I have this interesting question. I'm gonna re- I'm gonna read what I've written because yeah, I don't want to miss it. So we all see the world differently. You know, we all have different perspectives and we all create our own reality as we've been talking about it. And we've also mentioned this, that it feels safe within it. You know, we feel safe within this. Um, it, it might not be great, but we know it, you know, and it's it's comfortable and the door, the walls are up, the door's shut, and I know, I know I'm safe in that space. But what needs to shift within us 
So here's the bit I need to read. Two, recognise these beliefs are unhelpful because often we don't. Two, then to want to actually do something to shift it and then after we want to, the next step is to have the motivation to do so. So I've worked with people who do suddenly work out, oh, yeah, this isn't helping me, this isn't serving me, and then they want to shift it but they haven't got the motivation to. So, like, what's stopping that? You know, what's what's why do we get to that point of recognise it and then go, wow, oh, I'm not motivated, I'm not, I'm not going to do it? The fear? It's the fear and you may have to change your life. Yeah. You may have to change your life because... I, I, I work with people on both sides of the coin. And what I mean by that is I had a woman who came to me who was very obese and wanted to lose weight. Her husband was a control freak and he would put locks on the refrigerator, oh. locks on the pantry and uh, was berating her. But she didn't work. She was a stay at home mom and uh, he made nice money so she had a nice home she was free to come and go as she pleased he told her that he wasn't attracted to her anymore so she came to me because she wanted to lose the weight she started to lose the weight and then she then she stopped she ghosted me and then I finally talked to her about it and she said what if I lose the weight and he still doesn't love me wow and it broke my heart yeah because she was not willing to step into who she was because maybe it meant losing the weight, leaving him, but we want to control. We want to control our destiny. We want to know what's out there. When I had this fear of being alone, I had this terrible, terrible fear of being alone from the time that I was a child. And for me, I was in a 29-year marriage. And the last 10 years, my ex-husband went to five different therapists. We desperately tried to make our marriage work, but we were just going into two completely different directions. I was hanging on for dear life because I had that same belief that she did, that I could, you know, I what happens if I'm on my own? How am I going to take care of myself? Who am I to, you know, be on my own? I had to go through, and it's in the first chapter of my book, a week of hell, basically, I had someone invite me to take this firewalking course of teaching people how to run firewalks. It was a week of empowerment. And one of my greatest fears besides being alone was to walk on fire. Mm. It started on Sunday, ended on Saturday. And it, it was a week of walking seven to 10 feet of red hot coals you can you can uh convert that into meters i don't know what yeah, that is. yeah yeah that's <laughs> three meters um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> three meters okay and then um breaking arrows through the soft part of my throat um bending a 10 foot piece of rebar from my throat um walking yeah walking on glass and then to graduate i had to walk 40 feet of red hot coals Wow. And when I found that out on, on Sunday, I went into a meltdown. I thought I was going to die. I thought my feet were going to fall off. I had this belief that that was impossible. Mm. So the whole week I broke down, I cried. I thought I'd never be able to do it. And then it came to the final graduation on Saturday. And 
I, I didn't know that I could do it. And and finally, one of my classmates looked at me and, and asked me, how much fire have you walked this week? And I said, well, we've been walking seven to 10 feet a night. He said, exactly. You have already walked over 40 feet. Now go. This should be a, this should be a piece <laughs> of cake. Go. And something inside of me was like a switch. And I walked and I got to the other side and there was a bell we had to ring. And I rang that bell and I turned around and all of my classmates and my instructors, their jaw was like on the ground. And, <laughs> and, and I was like, that, I was like, that was the easiest walk all week. It was my fear yeah. that was so compelling that it was keeping me from seeing who I was and keeping me from reaching my goal. I went home. I had a conversation with my ex-husband about re really thinking about where we wanted to go. Three months later, we decided to split and I haven't looked back. I have had more joy. I miss my family. I, I don't wish divorce on anyone. So I, I'm not a, a proponent of divorce, but for me in my life, I needed to go through that process. Mm. And wow. everything has just continued at such a rapid rate because I've stepped into me. Mm. I was in, in a relationship where I had to hide who I was yeah. because I wasn't accepted because when we came together, I didn't accept me. Yeah. And I was busy blaming him. Because at, at the same time, I wasn't stepping into me. I was using him as an excuse. So people will use other people and circumstances and situations and fear as an excuse for not stepping in. I, I drove here not knowing a soul, came to a brand new place as 54 years old and had to start my life all over again. That's terrifying. And, and what I will tell you is I found a community. I, and then COVID happened. My entire business had to shut down because no one, I couldn't see anyone in person. I had to reinvent myself again. Yeah. We are always in this place of being pushed out of our comfort zone and having to reinvent ourselves. And, and the biggest thing is learning to go inward and trusting mm. and, and if you don't meditate. This is the reason why when you're quiet, the voices that come in, when you can remove those negative voices, that's where the insight comes. Mm. That's where the title of my book came from. That's when I would be meditating and all of a sudden all these stories and ideas for the chapters of my book would come in. It's that going inward and listening and learning to trust that that information is right. Even if it's not right for you, it's right for me and honoring that. Yeah. And, and it is that um, if I meditate and I do hear those callings, it's exactly what you said. My life might have to change. I might have to do something different, you know. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I get a lot of those messages too and I, I love them because they're the ones that you know are real. But but I still get all that noise in my head all the time. It's like, oh, my of God. Course stop do you, you know and you have to you have to I have to distract myself right that's it I'm going to make a cuppa do you know I don't want to hear that shit anymore it's like but but we, we're all we all do it <laughs> we all do it but it's whether we it's whether we're prepared to pull ourselves up on it do you, you know that's the that that's the thing but anyway I, I so there's so much conflicting information in the world you know it's kind of like yeah you know you hear 
well, the the vaccine vaccine is 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 already one. Yeah, what is COVID? They're the conspiracy theorists, but that's just one bloody topic. Do you know there there are so many topics out there that are con- conflicting. Right. Do you think that um, because of that, or, or not because of that? Do you think that contributes to um, us not wanting to change? For example, I'm hearing this and I'm hearing that, and I don't I don't want to hear any of that. I'm just going to stay stuck in my little world where it's all little all safe. Do you reckon that that feeds or perpetuates some of our refusing to budge right so when you listen to the media read articles that create fear all the time what that's doing is putting you into fight or flight yep and when you're in fight or flight we have this part of our brain called the reticular activating system got that right then what happens with that is the blood leaves your brain and goes out to your extremities because now it's when when a, a mother can pick up a car off their child, they have that superhuman strength there to run from that saber-toothed tiger. Now you're not thinking clearly. So you grab on to the first thing that makes sense to you. Mm. So now I have this belief system I haven't had a chance to really look at it clearly. I I don't have I don't have any way of looking at this and and really analyzing it. I'm like, oh, this makes sense. This is my truth. And now I grab onto it and I hold on to it for dear life. Here's the problem with that. Nothing is black and white in this world. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that has disappointed me so much is the attacks on each other. Mm-hmm. What happened to debate? And the ability for people to have their opinion. And 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 what has happened is, if I believe this, then that must be true. And people are now categorizing people mm. and demonizing them and making them bad. Whereas my beliefs are important to me. And this is how I choose to live my life. And am I going to convince you that my beliefs are right and yours are wrong? We need to honor each other and heal each other. There's been so much damage and pain done around this, around the world. Mm. And and I, I, was, I, I really struggle with what has happened because we need each other. And ultimately, we need to love one another and honor and accept each other for our differences, no matter what. Mm. And and when when we get bombarded with this, information that creates fear it's a divide and conquer for all of us and so all of us coming together it's very important to love one another we have different religions different races different belief systems and we need to come together and honor that we are all one Mm. and and our programming has influenced all of our decision making and when we remove that programming and come into ourselves, ultimately, it's the place of unconditional love and accepting people and ourselves for who we are. And, and the biggest key is accepting ourselves and forgiving ourselves for mm-hmm. everything. And that it's okay. There's no such thing as being perfect. We're doing the best we can with what we have at the time. And our best is going to be different each day. I always laugh when you think about if you have a hangover, you've had too much to drink Saturday night, your best on Sunday is going to be very different 
then you're best on Wednesday, right? Yeah. But it's still your best. <laughs> and that's it, isn't it? There's so much pressure put on us to be perfect. And and we can't be. Like we're human. <laughs> we're never going to be perfect. So we might as well give up on that idea. But, yeah, I agree with you. It's just, um, we, we, yes, the pressure we put on each other, but the pressure we put on ourselves is even worse. And if we weren't putting the pressure on ourselves to be perfect, we wouldn't be putting it on other people. And then we then we moved into this comparison game that's that's also bloody damaging. And it's, it's yeah, I, I, I know, the whole bloody thing saddens me, really saddens me. I was going to ask you actually about... Um, why we keep being addicted to toxic behaviors and like, like for example smoking so the smokers sorry about that guys but I think you stink but anyway that's my belief <laughs> it's a joke anyway um you know like smoking the, the things that are damaging to us to you know and junk food and that sort of right. stuff we we well because yeah no go on no I'm I'm just curious okay. why I let go because we are made up of different parts. Our one-year-old, our two-year-old, the part of us, we have different parts of us and we move in and out of them throughout the day. For instance, let's say you are five years old and your parents both had to work two jobs. So they were never around. They were doing the best they could and they loved you, but you felt neglected. Mm. And so oh those oreos and the cookies or or what did you the the tam tams tim tam you know tam tams tim tam my daughter my daughter did a semester in, in australia and i remember she was like mom i found the greatest cookies <laughs> uh, but all of these things that make you feel good momentarily yeah yeah because when you don't love yourself you need something else to fill the void and I'll tell you an example of smoking. I had a client who came to me, he was 60 years old. And he said, I have not been able to quit. I have been desperately trying to quit. I quit. And then two weeks later, even six months later, I come back to it. What happened with him, he was 12 years old and his father died suddenly. His uncle took him to the funeral. And then back then he said, here, why don't you have a cigarette? It'll help you feel better. Mm. What was what was happening is the nicotine and that the smoke was soothing him. He never grieved. He never gave himself the opportunity to grieve his father. Anytime those emotions would come up, he would have a cigarette. But he didn't know it because it was unconscious. Mm. This is where the that hamster wheel happens throughout our lives because we're running these behaviors. That part of him said, oh, I found something that works, but it's his 12-year-old that's running him. It's his 12-year-old that's smoking or our five-year-old that's eating the pint of ice cream at nine o'clock at night when we know <laughs> we've been so good all day. Yeah. That un unconscious part of us always wins. It always does. That little girl, that little boy. And then what happens is now this man has never had the opportunity to grieve and he's coming to me and doesn't even know that's why he's smoking. Mm -hmm. I ask his subconscious mind to take me to the root cause of what is causing him to smoke. And there he is at his father's funeral. We release the grief that he had been holding on to for almost 50 years. 
And once he did that, then he walked around because when you're so busy um, filling that void, you don't know what to think about. So I know for me, when I released the need to worry that I was this biggest worry ward, it was 80% of my thoughts. When I released them, I walked around for two weeks, not knowing what to think about. But then, <laughs> Sorry. Seriously. No, it was hysterical. I, I spent two hours working with my mentor, releasing my need to worry because I was so neurotic, worrying about everything that hadn't even happened yet. When we have these beliefs, they run us. And he asked me to check in to see how much of my thoughts were running it. 80% of my thoughts were going into worrying and 20% were going into my day-to-day -day actions. Wow. Well, giving myself that, you know, how could I possibly achieve what I wanted to achieve? So as soon as he released that, he was free to be him. He was free to process those, those emotions and allow himself to have emotions. So many of us block them because we're afraid to feel pain. Mm. And what I always say is you get the opportunity to feel it and then let it go. Mm. It's those of us that hang on to it and we become victims and martyrs. We identify with it and then we don't know who we are without it mm. because so many people will use that pain and use the suffering so that they can use it as a means to get what they want. Yeah. And it becomes a manipulation. We also have these neuropathways that when we get pain, we can train ourselves to go into, to make something chronic because now I'm getting something out of it. Mm. And unless that person is, re is ready to let go of it and move on, because now I have to take full responsibility for my life. And that's the thing that keeps people from stepping into their purpose is the idea that they have to take full responsibility for everything they've done, every decision they're making and every mistake they make. And I always say there's no such thing as mistakes because I have so many gifts from mm. everything that I've tried. I tried writing this book 10 years ago. It was horrible, <laughs> horrible. Oh my God. It was terrible. I, I, I looked at it and I was, I'm a terrible writer. I can't write. And then I got over it. I, yeah. I forgave myself. I let it go and, and just let it come through me. There's a difference between when you're making decisions from your head and you alluded to this before versus your heart. Mm. And when your soul is, is, is compelling you to do something, it's messy. It's not X plus Y equals Z. It's not yeah. a linear decision. Mm. When you are, are making a decision that comes from the soul, it's that jump and then the net shall appear. There's no answers on the other side. You have to surrender and trust that you're going to get exactly what you're looking for and not be attached to what it looks like. Mm. I have a saying that's that it just reminded me as you said that last bit. I always say, be careful what you ask for because the angels have Asperger's. And I say that in a very loving way. <laughs> you know, it's if you ask for something. They're going to deliver, whatever you want to call it. I call it the angels just for because it sounds good. But the universe, yourself, whatever this energy is, do you know, if, if once you actually ask for it, it's it's there. But um, it's going to deliver exactly what you said. And sometimes we're like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> well, you should have been clearer. <laughs> Well, well, there's two parts to that, because here's something that I learned um, the hard way is 
when you ask for something, I decided that I wanted to look like over here. And God, the divine, the universe, whatever you want to call it, took me there this way. <laughs> and then I got to that destination and realized that it doesn't look anything like I thought it would. Mm. For instance, when I was releasing my beliefs, I had this, uh, I was working with a mentor and they said, um, I want you to start visualizing what you want and go to the feeling of it and forget about how you're going to get there. Yeah. I imagined myself on stage in a green dress with my book in my hand, you know? So I'm holding, I'm holding this book on stage and I, and I kept visualizing it over and over and over again. So six months later, the book comes to me, I'm, I'm writing, 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 and the book gets published and I get a call to go speak in Las Vegas and there I am. And, and my friends were like, we have to go shopping for a dress. We need to get you a special dress. I go shopping with them. I come home with a green dress and I realize, oh my God, this is the dress I saw myself in on stage in my visualiz visualization, but I didn't pick it out. They did. Wow. And then weeks later, I'm on stage in Las Vegas with a book in my hand in a green dress. <laughs> and I I 100% believe you. Absolutely. I've seen this happen over and over. And it's, you know, can I just, can I just sort of distract you, distract you for one minute? I just want to say about that, careful what you ask for too, because, and I just want to put a joke in here. Um, when you're buying a new house, you might say, I want it to be two-story and I want it to have four bedrooms and I want it to have good plumbing and I want to have good fencing and, and all that stuff, which you'll get if you ask for it. But make sure you ask for good neighbours. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Because we often forget what's outside the boundary ah, and none of that's going to be worth anything to you if your neighbours are crap. <laughs> I agree and I've lived that before it's not pretty that's so no, funny I had a friend who did that and she goes I forgot the fireplace I didn't ask for the fireplace <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it so much because it's so true my last house I got exactly what I wanted yeah except it didn't have a dam but it had town water you know so I, it was great but and I, I had great neighbors and I've got great neighbors here but you know, I, I know people who have had pretty bloody awful neighbours, but anyway, I, I'm loving this. Um, I, I don't know. I don't even know what else to ask you. I just keep talking, Lisa, because I love this stuff. <laughs> well, I, well, actually, no, I will going to ask you. Um, you know, you said before about um, parents, you know, uh, um, we can we can inherit our beliefs and our parents yeah. say things and do things. And, and I've been guilty of it. No doubt you were guilty of it when your kids were little, you know, saying things that you shouldn't have said and, and whatever. We can forgive ourselves for it. But you, you, as a parent, you think you're doing the right thing. You know, you think you're well. I'm going to protect these kids, so I'm going to I'm going to make them a little bit scared of that river, and I'm going to make them a little bit scared of you know, the, getting in trouble with the police. You know, and all all that stuff that we fill their heads with. If there's any parents listening, because um, there will be, I know there already are. What what can they do to prevent their child? I keep knocking my side. What can they do to prevent their children or child embracing and perpetuating 
damaging beliefs like because kids are going to listen to their parents first you know whatever mum and dad says I'm going to take that on and that's gospel until their teacher tells them something different and then mum and dad don't know shit but it's you know I was going to say I I don't know about they listen to me first but <laughs> they do when they're little when they're little they do but, when they're um, little yes you know you know like what can what can parents do to to stop that from happening and to well there's there's two parts there's two parts to this Karen and and I struggled this you know as a mom because I had a client who came to me a man who was severely anorexic severe and he literally looked like he had just come out of a concentration camp it broke my heart and what he said to me was he grew up in an idyllic household his parents sheltered him from everything And so when he went off to college, he had no coping skills. He had no way of knowing how to deal with mean people, Mm. how to deal with adversity. He had no coping skills whatsoever. So you think you want to give your child this perfect life and protect them when, when in essence, you're actually, you know, really possibly doing damage. We came into this world to learn lessons. And as a parent, watching your children go through pain is excruciating. Mm. And and I always like to say to my kids, I screwed you guys up perfectly. (laughs) 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 I did the best I could with what I had. Now, my daughter is 29 and my son is now 32. I still have an influence on them because as I shift and as I change, it's impacting them. One of the things that I did was I did so much forgiveness work and I went back and thought about the gifts in my marriage because I did not have a pretty divorce. It Mm. was really, really awful. It was hard. And I had to forgive myself for the things that I wasn't proud of what I did and the things that he did. And in my book, he's part of my dedication, my ex-husband. And my daughter said to me, mom, you have no idea what you've just done has made me cry because I was so touched by your dedication and I'm really proud of you. Mm. So they watch you at all stages of your life. So don't just think that, you know, just because they've left the house, you no longer have an influence on them. Mm. We're doing the best we can with what, with what we have. Our children are also our greatest teachers they are triggering us because they have the inherited beliefs. Mm. They have these things in them that are meant to trigger us to help us heal. The problem is when you're unconscious about it, we're acting out our fear. Like I was raised, you know, with people who worried a lot. Mm. And so I took that on. And my son was, you know, three years old, diving off these swing sets that were like really, really high. And, you know, and and my ex-husband races motorcycles and my son races motorcycles with him. And I would sit there and having anxiety and panic attacks. The thing is, is that who am I to hold my son back from that? Mm. That's in his DNA. And, and just because I was raised with the idea that he's going to get hurt, he's going to do it anyway. Mm. whether or not it's behind my back. So things like he was a, a speed demon on the ski rate, you know, on the ski course, and he would was doing all these flips and everything. <laughs> so I put him in trampoline camp 
for the summer. So I said, if you're going to do these flips, I want you to know how to do them right. I learned that I needed to take his gifts and skills and give him at least a way to harness it and manage it so he wasn't out of control. Yeah. And I wish I had done that more with him and allowed him to have more of that because the kids that are challenged, like me, that I was, I I I developed this fear of, of mm. being me. And and I was projecting my fear onto him. Yeah. And now he's, you know, he races. I'm happy for him. He does, he's he's crazy on the on the ski, you know, on the ski mountain. And I just honor that. Mm-hmm. And I can't protect him anymore. And and the thing is, is that you don't want to break someone's spirit. Yeah. You don't want to break their spirit. It's one thing to take someone's gifts and give them guidelines, but you have to let them be. You mm-hmm. have to let them be themselves. And that doesn't mean going out smoking and drinking and doing drugs. You, you know, you have to keep a handle on that and not free, free, free. But boundaries are essential mm. and learning those boundaries and, it, and people who have multiple children, you know that the boundaries are much tighter on your older child than they are on your younger child <laughs> because you're like oh my older one did that they didn't die so it must be okay and then the second one goes and by the th- time the third one goes or the fourth one you're like oh <laughs> the boundaries shift and change <laughs> yeah, I was the oldest and I kept saying, oh, how come everyone else gets away with everything? I didn't get away yeah. with that. <laughs> I never forget. I had that. the same thing. <laughs> I was the oldest too. And I was so frustrated when my ex-husband and I were still, in, we were engaged and we come visit and my parents would have us stay in opposite ends of the house. And then my sister comes along and they go away on vacation with her and her boyfriend and they're staying in the same room. I'm like, what? <laughs> it sucks being the, there's a narrative it sucks being the oldest <laughs> oh, I love it you know what I was just thinking when um you know I've asked you like what can parents do um you know but what about something that frustrates me is I hear people who um are now adults but they've come from a childhood that mm-hmm. wasn't wasn't good, and for whatever reason, right. you know. But then they bring it into their adulthood, and they and they refuse to let go of the blame on their parents. And I'm not saying their parents shouldn't have blame. You know, you you shouldn't be treating a bloody kid shit right. you know. But when you're an, I've got this thing that I think when you're an adult. You've got to take responsibility and you've got to say, well, look, I'm an adult now. What happened in the past? You know, I, I now have to be a responsible adult. How do, well, how's a good way or how's the best way or how's a good way to start for a person in that situation to, to start to accept their own responsibility and move on from all, all, all the dramas of their childhood. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. yeah be, well, well. Here, here's the thing. Think about an alcoholic. What does it take to get someone to go to rehab or to go to AA, Alcoholics Anonymous? Mm, fair bit. And and the courage to stand up and say, "I'm an alcoholic." Mm. It takes everything. Okay. So we will give a wide berth to someone who's an alcoholic. There's no difference. 
those belief systems, they're part of them. That's all they know. They don't know who they are without it. And what happens is when you're unconscious in your own behaviors and, and who you are, and you're busy blaming your parents, and then you're projecting it on your kids. And so now you're doing the same thing, mm. but blaming your parents for it. And this is where that Ho'oponopono comes in, the, the, the forgiving of yourself and letting go of your triggers. When someone triggers you, especially your children, because your children are your greatest teachers, what I've learned now, and I didn't know this as a parent, I wish I had these skills when I was younger. I didn't find this, this I didn't discover all this stuff until much later in my life. Mm. And I made those unconscious mistakes. I did things that I, I've sat and apologized to them because I've held them back. I, I, you know, I realized that my son scared me so much and I loved him so much that I tried to hold him back. And, and, you know, I may have crushed his spirit a little bit and, and I've talked to him about that and I've apologized. The key is, is, is that we have to come to terms with the fact that we're not perfect, mm. forgive ourselves and release all of those belief systems, but you have to be ready because mm. if you're not ready, it's never going to happen. Mm. And, and it's going into that pain and going into, there are some people who will live their entire lives and never take responsibility for their action. We know those people and we come in contact with them in every day. And, you know, I think you mentioned karma earlier. What happens is if you don't come here to do your work, you just have to come back and do it again. Mm. I always say, do I want to come back and have to go through this again? Or do I want to really take that good, hard look at myself, resolve this, forgive it. And one of the things that I did was in my book, I give exercises at the end of each chapter. And I have videos with tools that people can do themselves. Mm. This, is, this is hard work. And it is work. And even though I've spent 20 years doing this, I still use these techniques because I give people things that are easy to do. Simple, like the Ho'oponopono. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. Mm -hmm. There's a release method, the emotional release method, where you're focusing on the feeling out of you and then you're releasing it. I helped a golfer win golfer of the year because he was busy beating himself up because he had the need to be perfect. Mm. So he couldn't relax. Once I helped him release that need to be perfect by letting go and letting go and letting go, he was relaxed and easy. And then, and then all those beliefs were gone and he could just be free to be in the zone in that place where he could just enjoy himself. Mm. Well, karma's a bitch, and, um, <laughs> and, and I often say I'm I'm more scared of coming back than I am of doing the work. <laughs> I don't want to do it all again, you know. <laughs> but, Me too. Um, you but, know what? You I say the same thing. Just get it done. It's like ripping the bandaid off. Why do I want to sit there and let that sore fester? If you think about it, that's a really great metaphor. Is that sore is getting bigger and bigger? And here's the other part. If you don't make those decisions and take responsibility for your life, the universe will. How many times do we suddenly get a two by four across the head? Yeah. Because we've been getting those taps on the shoulder. Hey, you need to deal, deal with this. Hey, you need to uh, later, later. I don't want to deal with it. Well, guess what? If you don't deal with it, something will happen to force you to look at it. Mm -hmm. And then you can go deeper into victim or you can claw your way out of it. Mm -hmm. I like to be 
and I like to take responsibility for it before it gets to that point. Mm. But sometimes we don't know, do we? Sometimes we know things aren't working. You, you know, shit's not going too well. I, I, but we don't actually know what to change. Like we don't actually know what we should be re- taking responsibility for. It's kind of like right. if I knew what was, if I knew what this was, I'd do something. But I don't bloody know where this is coming from. Do you, what are you but, doing? But, but deep down, you do know because your higher self, your unconscious mind does. And that's why this work is so powerful because you're going, I'm asking your subconscious mind, take me to the root cause, boom. And they're suddenly two years old. And when they come out, they're like, would never have been able to access. I actually have done work with a psychologist, a very successful psychologist in Boston who came to me for her golf game. And we went to, I went to help her with an issue and it went back to her childhood where she had been molested Mm. and she didn't have memory of it. We healed it. And she said, I have been going to therapy myself for 40 years and no one has been able to pick it up because her conscious mind didn't have access to it. Because mm-hmm. our brain protects us to keep it hidden. And so it will come out in other ways. We react, we get triggered. That's where a lot of our triggers come from is unresolved trauma. We can also have unresolved trauma that we've taken on from our grandparents or great grandparents. You know, I, I, I talk about how I'm working with someone right now who's in Mexico mm-hmm. City who has DNA going back to the Mayans and Aztecs, Mm. their his ancestors were horribly abused and murdered for just being them. And they had, and and that got passed down. So he's, he's now this, this adult who has all of these belief systems and trauma that isn't even his. Mm. It's it's insane when you think about what we carry. And so if, if you were to think you're a blank slate coming in, it's not true. We come mm. in with all of this stuff that gets compounded with our life stories. Mm. And those stories are are stories. <clears throat> we are making these stories up. Mm. We see something from, from a lens and then we shift it and go, whoa, that's not exactly what it is. It's not what I thought it was. It's mm. very powerful when you do this work. And it really helps you stand firm. The idea for me is that it's not a be all end all to solve all my problems. But what I do is I get myself to a neutral state so I can see it without the emotions. Mm. Because when we can pull the emotion out, we can see it for what it truly is. Mm. When we have our emotions, we're triggered. We're like a pinball machine. We're bouncing around. I don't know. Where where do I go? What do I do? What do I do? Breathe, release the emotions, and now I can see it for what it truly is and realize it's not as scary as we think it is. Mm. And that's true. For anybody listening, um, when I was when I was just saying before, not for anyone listening, of course you're bloody listening or you wouldn't be hearing me say it. Does a does a tree make a sound when it falls in a forest? But it's it's um you know, when I was saying before about how do you know you know like something's out of whack and you can't actually put your finger on it but you answered my question anyway because when you started talking about that I thought ah that makes sense because 
even the even the fact that you're uncomfortable about something that you sense discomfort that you sense that something's wrong that that's enough to say I, I've got to dig and I've got to find out now for for those listening here I go again if a tree falls in a forest um it, it, it this actually is true what Lisa's saying I can vouch for it because I've been there with Lisa and it's when when I did you know a session with Lisa it was and I was talking before about epigenetics Lisa saying about your higher self knowing that's so true because as soon as we sat down I thought I was going to be talking about something else with Lisa as soon as she opened me up I was bam and I was talking about my mother as a teenager and I was I said to Lisa I have no idea where this just came from but it feels right and let's just she said let's go there and it was just if and I followed that. So I guess there's another part to that too, is that's actually being allowing yourself to be vulnerable enough to follow what, what comes up when you're sitting in a session. But my my higher self knew exactly what the problem was and I could never, ever, ever have dug that up. Do, I knew that every time I heard the story from mum, it used to affect me, it used to impact me, but I used, I just used to think that because I was a kind person and I thought the story was bloody cruel. So I used to be impacted by it. But um, so I tell you what, if you're thinking about doing this work and you're thinking, oh, I can't resolve this bloody thing, it's driving me nuts and I don't even know what it is, go to Lisa. That's all I can say. I keep looking at the microphone. Go to Lisa, you know, <laughs> because um, she is... Well, well, thank you. Well, I, I mean it. You, you just, you know, I'm so it's telling you guys, she is absolutely marvelous. So, one, again, you know, go get the book. In every belief, there is a lie, but but also check out Lisa and and if there's something niggling at you, you just can't bloody release, and you don't even know what it is, but you just know it's there. And I tell you what, you do know it's there because it drives you nuts subconsciously. You know what? What a great place to start. I'm going to vouch for 100 percent because she shifted. I'm talking to you like I'm talking to the audience, you know. But Lisa, I'm still talking to you. Lisa, you shifted me in 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 incredible ways. So I, I want to vouch for you, you know. And and um, there are people who listen to what you're saying and could be like, oh, what what a pack of bloody woo woo, didn't you know? Because and that keeps us safe too, you know. If I if I just if I just say that's bloody woo woo, I, I can stay in my story. But if we want to step out of that story and if we're carrying this pain and we don't even know what it is, we, we we to take responsibility, yes, it's hard, but it actually feels bloody fantastic. And you talked about it before. You know, it it's a release. It's kind of like, oh, phew, I can freaking breathe again. You know, and that doesn't mean it's the only right. challenge you're ever going to have in your life. Then there's never going to be any more. You know, I, I know I need to come to you for some other shit. But anyway, we'll get there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one release well, doesn't. One, one thing. Yeah, go on. No, one release doesn't mean it, but here's here's the thing, because your issue with your mother is twofold, because you're a contribute and you have such a huge heart, you also took it on. So there's two parts to it. So it's in your DNA, and then you got ultra triggered because you heard the story. So it's not just and and here's the thing: you could have gone to a therapist to deal with what your mother said, right? And just to try and deal with that. And the therapist will give you coping mechanisms to deal with that. But you would never have been able to get into the DNA, the ancestral part of going in and healing it from that level. And that's what I want people to understand is that, yes, they, they would say, oh, she was just triggered because her mother talked about it and she made that up. 
it, it it's it's a physical thing. They did studies on mice where they took these mice and they had them smell this particular smell and gave them electric shocks every time they smelled it. And then they associated that shock with the smell. Their grand pups would smell that smell and run without being shocked. This is science. And they've also done other studies through people who survived World War II and the Holocaust around the children and great-grandchildren and grandchildren of survivors, that they carry these particular mm -hmm. fears and belief systems, even though they didn't experience it. Um, so it's very powerful work. Um, the ancestral stuff is something, as you said, would you would never be able to tap into. And, and I had that experience, too, with a great-grandmother who woke up at the age of 16 and was told, by the way, we're actually your grandparents. We're not your parents. Your mother died in childbirth and your father is in America and has since remarried and has a family and they're calling for you and, and we have your trunk ready. You're going to be shipped off on a trunk. Here's a 16-year-old girl going to a new country with a new language, new culture, everything. That, that comes to us twofold because it's not all bad. The courage it took to do that, mm -hmm. I got. The survival instinct, I got. So, so we're not clearing out just bad. We are now also getting to embrace and integrate the beauty of what our ancestors have been through and how they survived it. And mm -hmm. that's part of us too. And it's something to honor. Mm. Yes, well, um, I also heard a story about a, a three-year-old who um, got into a shower. His mum was trying to get him into a shower with her and he was freaking out. You're just like losing it. And somehow, they, I don't know who they went and saw. I don't know what happened. But it, but it turns out that it, that was related to the Holocaust and the gas chambers. Do you, you know that that like an ancestral thing of turning on the gas in the and, and he was just suddenly and the mother's like I don't know what's happened to him you know, I don't know what's wrong so and, and the second thing I want to say is that's why that contributor thing that's why my bloody sisters don't care about it they get an easy life <laughs> I had to get the bloody <laughs> I'm joking I'm not being a victim I'm just playing I'm playing <laughs> funny uh I love it so so I reckon they have they have their own stuff. Yeah. Believe me, <laughs> I know they do. I'm only I'm only joking. I don't I don't do the victim shit. That's funny. <laughs> but anyway, I, um, Lisa, where? So I, I don't know. I just love all this stuff, and I, I absolutely love you. I just reckon you are a, a bloody gem. Like, and and you're really. I mean it. You know, I mean it. You're just a really pure soul, and you're just you're filled with kindness and. You know, I love I love spending time with you, and I'm and I feel completely safe doing work with you. You're just a, a, a just a beautiful person. Now, I I don't even know any other words. Just absolutely freaking beautiful. So I want people to go get the book. So we to, to start with, and then I, I would love them to come and see you because I, I just think you work you work wonders. So where can they get the book? You know, all that kind of stuff. Amazon. Yeah, it's available on Amazon. <laughs> Yep. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's available on Amazon. Um, there's the Kindle version and then there's the paperback. And uh, the the cover is uh, was actually me that was photographed by my a dear friend of mine. And she photoshopped the heck out of it. So I'm very proud of that cover. <laughs> my daughter's <laughs> like, Mom, you look so beautiful. I'm like, yeah, Photoshop works really well. Um, <laughs> But if you look at the, the title came from in every belief is a lie. And if you look at the word belief, L-I-E is in it. Yep. And and um, so I'm very proud of this book. And uh, please if, if reach out to me. I actually work with people in Australia all the time. Yep. I know it's a big time difference, but we make it work. Yep. It does happen. I just get up at five in the morning and, <laughs> <laughs> and we start to have a sleep. <laughs> and we stay up, but it does it does work out. Um, my website is peakperformancemindsetcoaching.com. Yep. And there's a link on there that says belief is alive. That's what we had room for on the website. You can click on that and you can also there's videos. Um, we're having some technical difficulty right now trying to get it squared away, but there there are videos that I have, but they will be available shortly if they're not already um, with some techniques that you can use to help yourself. And um, you can email me at Lisa at peakperformancemindsetcoaching.com. And I love just talking to people. You can just call if you have ex have questions. I won't charge you for it. I, I just love, you know, Zoom is free and it's a great opportunity to get to know really amazing people. Yeah, and she means it too. But don't bloody just ring her up in the middle of the night and have a chat for the sake of having a chat. And if you can do the work, you've got to pay. But she's uh, Lisa, I have absolutely loved having you. Uh, you know, you, you need to consider yourself honoured for being my first ever guest coming on twice. But uh, I love you. I love you so much. I but am. I, I couldn't resist because, you know, the first time we talked about your why and all that, but this, I think this topic is, is critical, Do you, you know, and we, we, we're living such shitful lives a lot of the time because of all these lies that are in there. And I think that we need to start exposing this and we need to start talking about this as normal conversation you know not woo woo stuff and we need to be we need to face it and we need to start to deal with it so for me having you on um it's it's something that I think we need to it needs to be brought to the surface and I'm so glad you're doing it I can't wait to get a copy of your book actually I, I always like to you know have a have a copy so I can wave it around on my video but I haven't got one so you know I'll have to get it but <laughs> I, um I, I can imagine how bloody fantastic it is so Lisa, thank you so much. You're just beautiful. Yeah, love it. Oh, thank you. Well, I feel the same about you and thank you. And this is a time for healing for all of us around the world. Yeah. It's really important for us to let go of the resentment and anger and what's been going on and really mm -hmm. just love each other and honor that we all have different beliefs mm -hmm. and honor that, you know, everyone's doing the best they can with what they have. Yep. It's a pretty tough time for everyone at the minute. So, yeah. It is. It is. Well, sending my love all the way over there to you. At least we can start with each yeah. other, can't we? And back to you. Thank you so much for joining me. And um, I'll catch up with you soon.
Oh, guys, that was fantastic, and I hope you loved it as much as I did. And I'll tell you what, it's this is not woo-woo stuff. This is bloody fantastic stuff. And why wouldn't we want to heal the world? You know, I, I, I hear Lisa talking about the ho'oponopono, and it's kind of like, yeah, but I didn't, you know, do I have to do that work when someone else is, when I think someone else is wrong? But yeah, we do. You know what? Because as she said, it shifted her, but it also shifts the other person. And if we're going to heal the world, we actually do need to. If if we can, we should do the work. We should really make a difference. But I tell you, you know, this stuff is just fantastic. I just keep saying it like I'm a raving lunatic, but if if we live in a world where our beliefs truly are lies and we're driven by it, we're run by it, you know, we're, but the truth is we're controlled by it. And these lies are blocking us to our true potential. And, you know, Lisa was talking about karma and, you know, if we don't get it right this life, we've got to come back. Bloody hell, you know, I don't want to come back. I don't know about you guys, but I don't want to come back and do it all over again. So, and that doesn't mean I've I've resolved everything. My God, no, we're near it, you know. But I think it's about having the courage as something comes up to actually start questioning and say, is is this actually true? Like, where does this come from? And I think that we don't do the quiet time, like Lisa's saying, to really sit down and reflect and say, where, where is this coming from? And and is it real or is it perceived or? what the hell you know and I just reckon we should do it but anyway it's not for me to be telling you what you should do but you know I can't see why we wouldn't want the world in a better place now listen if you've got something that you would like um resolved something niggling at you I can 100% vouch for Lisa as a, a practitioner she is bloody fantastic and she does it over zoom and Anyway, you know, I know I'm just giving her a plug, but I'm giving her a plug because I've actually been there and done it and she's shifted stuff in me and it's just been fantastic. So have a think about that. And you can get her on all the links that are in the show notes there and also grab that book. I can't wait to grab my copy of it. In every belief, there is a lie. And as Lisa said, there's lots of exercises and stuff in there for you to do and videos on the website. So what a great place to start. Start healing ourselves. Start loving ourselves. Start loving everybody else. And even if it's hard, but, you know, we, we, we've, we've got to bring this planet to a new tipping point where we, you know, it's where it's more positive than it is. So that's my thoughts. Um, you've got your own. <laughs> As Lisa said, we've all got our own shit to deal with, but... Anyway, thank you so much for joining me, as you do every week, and I am so bloody humbled and proud to bring this uh, podcast to you. I truly am. So thanks for joining me, and I will see you next week. See ya. Thanks for joining me. As always, I hope this episode inspired you. If you know somebody who's taken courageous action to create something that's making a difference for other people, let me know about it. Go to my website, karenvaughan.com, tinker around there, have a bit of a look and send me a message. I can't wait to hear from you. And remember, you're worth it. Your unique talents and gifts need to be out in this world. And I'm so passionate about inspiring you to achieve that. So you've listened to this episode. Just say yes, make the decision and put one foot in front of the other. See you next week.